0: My name is Wizzy Brown.
1: And I'm Bryant McDowell.
0: And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. Today, we are going to be talking about unusual arthropods that you can find in the landscape and these are insects and other arthropods that you may not commonly find or commonly see in your backyard it's not that they're in less numbers it may just be that you aren't looking for them so you don't necessarily see them they're more cryptic yes they're they're more cryptic or you know camouflaged or more difficult to see or find or things like that so each of us have picked out a few of these to cover. And so we're going to just kind of talk about our different things. One of mine, I actually found a couple of years ago in my backyard when I had this, it's essentially like a cattle water trough. So like would COVID hit, it was hot and the boy wanted something to swim in. And since we didn't have a swimming pool, I was like, okay, I'll just buy this. And so I filled it up with water and he had a bunch of, I don't even know, like boats and Legos and crap in it. And so the water was out there and then it got too hot for him to be in it. So when I went out to dump it out, I actually found a Dytiscid, which is a predaceous diving beetle. It was swimming around in the water. Diticids are really really cool I think they are usually kind of a dark brownish blackish sometimes reddish some of them may have gold coloration on them they can get up to about an inch in size but they're kind of an oval shape and they have slender antennae and they have these big hind legs that look like oars that are wonderful for them to use for swimming And they can actually streamline their bodies if they want to and tuck those legs into grooves that are in the underside of their body. They're really great predators. They do have mandibles and when they find food that they're feeding on, which If you have a pond in your backyard, you may have dieticids in there because they're great at feeding on things like mosquito larvae, but they can also feed on small fish depending on the size of the beetle and that sort of thing. But when they bite it, they actually will inject digestive enzymes into whatever they're feeding to help break it down so it makes it easier for them to eat. I think probably the coolest thing that I like about dieticids other than them just being these, these little vicious predators in the water. They are capable of taking air into their bodies through their spiracles, which are these little holes on the side of an insect's body that will allow them to breathe. But with diticids, they can actually store the air as a bubble underneath their elytra, which are their top wings. And they will carry enough air that allows them to breathe while they're underwater. And that's one of those things that I'm like, wow, nature is so incredibly cool that they have developed this way of breathing underneath water without gills and they've kind of adapted to make their body work for them. Like their own little scuba sack or scuba. Diving out—it's really, really cool. Depending on the dieticid species and that sort of thing, they can stay submerged usually ten minutes or so. I mean, it really depends on the beetle, but they eventually will need to come up for air. I've seen these a lot of times at zoos and things like that, where they actually have an aquarium that has the predaceous diving beetles in it. And you can watch them kind of diving around the water, and they—they're just really cool. It's one of those, you know, I might get sucked into and need to set up a little aquarium with diving beetles because I don't have enough bugs to take care of already. <laughs> you don't have enough things to do already. Exactly.
1: <laughs> have you ever been bitten by one before?
0: I have. No.
1: I have too. And it, is, it was very insulting. I was <laughs> not expecting it.
0: Yeah. It'll definitely wake you up. It's one yeah. of those you're like, Oh, this little thing can't hurt me because it's like you're, you know, you're trying to catch it and they're really fast. So it's hard to catch them in the first place, especially with your hand. And then you grab them and you got them in your hand and then they bite you and it's like, and then you drop it and then you start the process all over swearing. And yeah, not pleasant. These are not the
2: same as there's also water scavenger beetles. Or is it the predaceous diving beetle that has like a vine down its when you flip it, I only ask this because the predaceous diving beetle and the water scavenger beetle, I confuse all the time. And when I'm working with the 4-H kids, I'm like, I can't remember who's who, but one of them has this huge spine on its thorax, like between its legs. And it looks like it's the mouth part of like a a hemipterin, an insect with a piercing sucking mouth part. So I don't know what its function is, but then I'm like, no, these are beetles. It can't have a mouth part like that, but it has this weird spine down its belly. And that's the only way I can Think of to differentiate the two.
0: The water scavenger beetle is the one that has the spine that's in the family hydrophilidae. The predaceous diving beetles are diticids and they actually, they're the ones with the oar leg in the hind legs. But then there's also the gyrinids, which I can't remember what they're- Whirly gig gig beetles? The whirly gig beetles. Those are the ones that have the divided eyeballs Yeah. that they can see above and below water at the same time. But yeah, all three of those it's like, they're all kind of that oval shape. They're yeah. all in water and they kind of and all I'll do their thing. Black beetles. Yeah. Or brownish. All right. Does somebody want to go on their next
2: one? I will. The one that I picked, there's, there's a lot of them that I have, but the one that I picked that I haven't told stories about, cause I thought about talking about snake flies, but I, in previous podcasts, I think I've told that story like 15 times. So you can just go listen to another one if you want to hear my snake fly story. Related, very closely related to it are mantispids or mantis flies. Or I was looking up other names. People call them mantid lace wings, mantid flies. I call them mantispids because the, the family is mantispidae. mantid fly, I guess, is another name that I'll use too. They're related to lace wings and dobson flies and things in the order Neuroptera that have very lacy or lots of veins within the wings. They're clear wings, but you can see all these veins in it. And they're not very large. I would say they're about the size of a very, very small paper wasp, the ones that kind of have the yellow and brown on them. And I've seen two different species or two different colors to them. I've seen green most commonly. And then there's another one that is like those wasp where it's that brown and yellow kind of stripe to it. And these are predatory insects that resemble a little miniature uh, praying mantis almost. And so they are, if you take like a, an evolution course or you're learning evolution in school, they're kind of the quintessential example of convergent evolution where you have totally unrelated Animals that are developing very related, similar traits. So they imagine just a praying mantis with really long, lacy wings and more of a wasp-like body, I guess, or wasp-like head. Once, when I very first started in extension, somebody called, and he was all excited. He was digging a ditch or something, and a mantispid landed on his shovel. And he had the forethought to figure out how to call the extension office. And he called and he said, I think I found a, a hybrid of something that I've never seen before. And he described it as a wasp mixed with a praying mantis. And that's exactly what it looks like. And I'd only ever seen mantispids greens. So when he explained it, I'm like, that's surely, that's what he's talking about. And I went looking through some books and I found that color and I was like, okay, I'm going to look real smart when he shows up. And I don't know whatever happened to that insect. I'm pretty sure I probably pinned it somewhere or set it on my desk and it Never made it into a collection. So I don't actually have one in a the collection. They're, I hate to say they're rare, they're just very, very rarely found. But you can collect them by putting out a black light, especially I usually think when you're close to a water source, like a lake or a creek or something, and they seem to really be attracted to a black light laid out on a sheet or something. That's when I've found them. What else about them should I say?
0: If people do you see them in the landscape? They think that they're like baby praying mantids, yes, but they're not because immature praying mantids aren't going to have wings.
2: And the big difference, although it's really hard to see or really hard to notice because bugs are small, is a praying mantis's legs, uh, the raptorial grasping legs kind of arise away from the head, whereas a mantispids legs are kind of like right underneath their chin that's like where their shoulders are right under their chin if you would and a praying mantis has a longer neck but I mean who's going to remember that and if you don't see them side by side it's hard to tell oh and a fun fact about them in our uh, introduction to the study of insects that we all had to by and use for entomology is that the larvae of some species feed primarily on the larvae of wasps and bees. So I wonder if they get into hives or if they go inside of like mason bee houses and pull them out. And then others might feed specifically on spider eggs. So if you hate spiders, then you probably like mantispids. What's your favorite one, Bryant, or most rare find?
1: Most rare find. I'll say that I get really excited when I find any of the parasitoid or like parasitic wasps, uh, the larger ones. So like tarantula hawks, cicada killers. I really enjoy coming across an ichneumonid wasp with like a super long ovipositor is something that I think would be very strange, you know, unique.
2: Don't you ever wonder like, how do those ichneumon wasps with those tails that are like a foot long, how do they survive? Like how do they get through life without bumping into stuff or
0: how do they fly the with that thing Yeah, walk around? How does that actually penetrate a tree stump to find the larvae? It's like that thing is like skinny. Yes. How in the world That's does amazing. it do that? Does it find little cracks to get down to where? And how do they know where the larvae is in the tree?
1: Like having eyes on their ovipositor?
0: It's insane. I I guess it's so like we we need to do research on right? that and figure it yeah. out.
1: Yeah, do so... Are- are they, are the ovipositors like telescoping or they, because every time I've seen them collected, they've just been like out in no straight line. They're, they're like a piece of horsehair. Like that's what it reminds me of.
0: But yeah, those it ones, is. they're ginormous.
2: Yeah. I've okay. seen one before on a window at, at a lake house that had, I mean, it was like a foot long. It felt like it was gigantic and she was on a windowsill or on a window screen. She wasn't on a tree so I think that's just how big it was with her moving around it they must have some sort of an enzyme or something sorry uh they must have some sort of an enzyme or something that dissolves the wood you would think to get in there it can't possibly with that flimsy little because it can't pierce your skin it's hard how's it going to pierce wood
1: yeah like is it drilling through yeah (laughs) I've seen Tarantula hawks actually dragging tarantulas back home in in central Texas. It's a sight that's, well, it's very exciting to to come across. They will be kind of territorial over the tarantulas. And I'm talking the large black wasp with these like very orange wings. There's plenty of other spider wasps, right? That's like a whole family of, of wasps. If I figure out how, I will link a video that I actually took at our property uh, back home, and it's very cool. We got to witness a tarantula hawk drag a paralyzed tarantula, probably like four or five inches or so across the driveway.
2: I think you can do it in the show notes.
1: Yeah, I'll try. So, I guess going back to these larger wasps, uh, they they can sound very intimidating uh, when they're flying near you. That's something that I'm always Shocked by whenever I have come across them, and I'm I'm counting probably like five times in my life have I actually come across these wasps. So I, I would say pretty rare.
0: The tarantula hawks. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you come to my
2: camp, these kids have been catching them like crazy, in, in fields that I thought nothing was because the dirt was so jam packed. They've been catching a lot of tarantula hawks this year.
1: What are the are they cricket wasps that are the Like a like indigo blue,
2: yeah. That's what I call them, or I just call them like spider wasps or spider hawks, because they're Mm -hmm. not true tarantula hawks. Those are black with like orange wings and and big.
0: The Pompilids Mm -hmm. are spider. It's like a general spider wasp, kind of.
2: Do they only go after spiders or will they pull up? Because I've seen them pull, I feel like I've seen them pull crickets around.
1: I don't know if a cricket wasp is in Pompilidae or if it's... Now I'm Googling.
0: <laughs> yeah, Pompilidae are the spider ones.
1: They're still kind of blue in color too, though. Those, some of the spider wasps.
0: Cricket hunters are a uh,
1: Yes.
0: Cricket hunter.
1: Yes, and the example online is very, oh, well, at least on our Insects in the City website, it's a very dull one, not really colored. So I'm wondering if I'm even thinking of the right species.
0: Going back to the ichneumonid wasp, side note tangent here, the female actually presses their antennae against the bark, and that detects the vibrations of the larvae inside of the tree.
1: That is insane.
0: That's impressive.
1: So does the larvae have, I'm assuming then they're actively like feeding and tunneling, and that's how they're able to... Yeah. So if it was like a pupation, the larvae was in a state of like diapause, right? They wouldn't be able to be detected. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Which because they're sense? not moving around. Uh-huh.
1: So, really quick, going back to we're, we're jumping all over the place, the cricket loss. When I taught last year and I lived out near Coppers Cove, near Colleen, I would have the hanging baskets on my little front porch, the cocoa fiber ones. I witnessed one night. Just this like aggregation of 30, what I would call cricket wasps. And I'm wondering now if they were a different type of spider wasp. They're very like metallic blue with the black wings. They're probably about an inch long. I had never seen that behavior before.
0: Do they have the curled antennae? Because the Pompilids are going to have those curled antennae and they have the suture on the side of their body.
1: I do have another insect that when I first saw it was a mind-blowing, like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Mole crickets.
2: Yes, you're right, because I didn't see those till I was, like, an adult taking a, an entomology course, and you're right, they are, like, aliens, like, they don't, if you didn't know anything about anything, you'd think that was an alien.
1: Yeah, it's, it looks like a Pokemon, it, it's a Pokemon, <laughs> it's, and so, it's fun little fact, feet. Yeah, for for all the listeners. So this was like a fun fact that we learned in college. Mole crickets are the, the insect that has three types of legs. So they've got like the fossorial digging legs in the front, which they're using to dig their burrows. They have running mid legs and then they have jumping hind legs like an orthopteran would.
2: That is completely true. I've never—I mean, I've always known the fossorial legs, and yeah, that they have the cricket-like back legs, but I've never
0: thought about that—that that they have three totally different purposes of legs. It's like when you were doing your insect collection and you had something that lost something, and so you're trying to figure out what you can put on it. <laughs> you're yes. glueing like stuff on. It
2: <laughs> is it's like, it's a, like a, bug. It is a Frankenbug. It is a Frankenbug. That's blowing my mind right now because it's like so obvious, but I've never thought about it.
1: And if you've ever like held them, I mean, they're not the best jumpers that I've noticed, but like holding them, they love to burrow like in the crack of your fingers. And that's Mm -hmm. such a weird.
0: I don't know if I've ever seen one jump before.
1: I don't think I I have either. either.
2: I assumed it was just kind of a remnant thing that they had for being an orthopteran, like they all have those hind legs, whether they use them or not.
0: They're all about the burrowing.
1: Yeah, those are typically like turf pests, right? That's what you would see them as. I I think people who are like on golf courses.
0: In Texas, yes, I would say that they are unusual. I've only gotten a call about those in the, what, 20 some years that I've been here, only maybe twice. But I grew up in Ohio and they are way more common there than they are here. So it's all about soil. And depending on what part of Texas you're in and what kind of soil you have or if you have soil, then they're just not going to be there. I think
2: also if they're a problem, they're a turf problem, but I think that they're found maybe in native grasses and other things. Cause we'll have summers where people will say they're coming to my lights by the thousands or probably not truly the thousands, but they're seeing tens upon tens. There are some summers will, where people will say they're seeing tens upon tens at their lights at night and they're worried about their grass. I'm like, but are you seeing damage in the grass? And the answer is usually no. So they're probably coming from a nearby field or something else or Maybe there's just not enough to see an issue with them, but they're, I think they're out there. They're just maybe not as much of a turf pest. Maybe the species of grass we have here, varieties versus other places. But I do think they're like more of a a golf course thing. Maybe it's because they use primarily Bermuda and we've kind of gone away from that in the San Antonio area. I don't know.
1: Another weird one. These are the two orthopterans that I remember learning about that. I was like, oh, that's strange. Uh, What about Jerusalem crickets? Have you all had? Oh my gosh. But do we
2: have those in Texas?
1: I've never seen them. I've never caught them.
2: I had a friend that collected one for me in she was from Kansas. I think she collected one for me. And so I could use it in a collection in college when she learned I was, she was like an acquaintance friend when she mm-hmm. learned I was taking a class, but I've also heard people call them fetus crickets. And that is what they kind of resemble like a curled up, almost deformed fetus type of a thing, like, like a pig fetus, you know, or you've seen them in jars and stuff in the science. <laughs> it's they're the most creepy looking They're so weird. <gasps> Oh,
0: my goodness. Yes, you can find them in Texas, but not in any uh, at Bryant. You might be able to find them up in your area. You can find them up in the panhandle and far east as Dallas. Get on it. Give us some for our collections. But they Uh, are
2: typically in
0: burrows underground. So you're probably not going to see them unless you're out looking for bugs in the evening or night.
1: Well, I will add that to my to do list. A long <laughs> list. <laughs> I feel like I've heard people call them potato bugs or like potato crickets or something, but that might be something else.
2: Or maybe it's another name for them and they find them in tubers in the ground.
1: Maybe that is right. They, and they have like a striped abdomen. They, it looks like they don't really have wings.
2: They're so hunchbacked and usually wingless and just very, well, they're not, those, I mean, I'm confusing two of them. I'm sorry. Are they hunchbacked?
1: I think you might be thinking of the, wait, are those the, the crave, the cave, what I call Yeah, cave. I
2: think I'm, I think I'm confusing too at the same time, but the, Jeru- yeah, Jerusalem cricket has like the giant head. Maybe that's why they call them fetus crickets because they have like a baby has a bigger head.
0: They've got the big old head and their head and thorax kind of humps down and then their abdomen humps up. And they're real shiny. They almost look like sulfuges. Yes. Only they have six legs. Yeah.
2: They look very tropical, exotic.
1: They do look very exotic.
2: Why do they get the name Jerusalem Cricket? Are they from that area? I don't know. You're right. I see a a thing here on uh, Dr. Google that
0: says that they're called potato bugs as well.
1: Some things just stick with me.
0: This is from Texas Parks and Wildlife. The origin of the name Jerusalem Cricket is unclear. Explanations range from misinterpretations of the Navajo name by Spanish priests to the animal's resemblance to a cross. Which I don't think it looks so like a cross that. in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm this feeling- um, Another one is that the word Jerusalem was a 19th century expletive used to express surprise and displeasure. <laughs> <laughs> so if a startled farmer came across one, then that's funny. He would
2: say I think his.
0: Yeah. I'm going to bring that back as a swear word. I was just thinking the same thing Jerusalem. <laughs> it's way better than some of the other ones
2: <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I feel like this podcast in particular is when we should have we should have started out and said be sure you're at your computer so you can look some of this stuff up because we're just yeah. <laughs> you're looking at it and people are like I don't know what this looks like
0: this is a weird alien bug it's frustrating
2: if they're driving
1: well look go pull over pump gas and just sit in your car while it pumps Check out these links we're going to post. I'm having this newfound love for orthopterans right now. I never... Tree crickets are another one that I was like, they're so pretty. The green, lime green, neon green tree
0: crickets. Oh, and they there's also ones that are white, like a real pale white color.
1: So I've seen that and I always... Well, I've only seen that in collections and I always thought that it's because they lose their color. So there are kind of white or like a pale... Mm-hmm. This is kind of like a pale I've seen them
0: on trees before. Okay. I thought the same thing, Brent.
1: I always thought like, oh, someone put this in the sunlight.
0: It's like tortoise shell beetles. They lose all their pretty colors. And you're like, what happened?
1: Yeah. Or Luna Moth. Like when you get a big, beautiful Luna Moth and someone didn't take care of it. And it's like very pale. Mm-hmm.
0: That would be my Luna Moth that's in my collection. But it's probably older than you are, Brent.
2: <laughs>
1: Love that.
0: <laughs>
2: I have a, I have donated collections of insects that are older than all of us on this.
0: That's craziness.
1: You have some that were collected like in the forties, I think fifties.
2: Are you talking about mine? Or are you talking about some of yours? Yours. Yeah, that, Cause
1: I remember I, taking pictures where I was like, holy crap. And they're in good condition.
2: They're in great condition. This guy was downsizing, and he said, "I want to donate them to some to education." And I'm like, "Sure, sure, bring me your stuff." And then I was amazed at the quality of his collections and and the sentimentality to me is what got me. He had built them as a Boy Scout when he lived in the 50s. Most of them are like 56, 57, 58 collected, and his dad cut the glass and built the boxes. Oh, wow. So I'm like, "This was a major project you and your dad did." Like the memories with this. So I asked him. I hope you save some for yourself. And I don't want to take all of me said, no, I kept my favorite ones, but I'm like trying to take really good care of them. Cause it, I mean, there's a lot of history in that. That's not my history, but it just, it's just really special, but he has butterflies that look as good as if you went outside and collected one today. It's like, he took really good care of his stuff. Insight collections can be artwork to be appreciated for generations, but back to rare finds. One of my favorite things to come across, which is, very, very common, they're just so tiny that you don't see them, are these little bitty bugs called pseudoscorpions. They're actually arachnids. They're not insects. And they look like miniature scorpions. Pseudo, of course, means false or fake. So it's a fake scorpion, but they look like itty bitty, teeny tiny little miniature scorpions. And they're so cute. What they lack is a stinger. So it's just imagine a a tiny scorpion with his little tail cut off. I've come across them a couple times. And when you do, it's kind of like, It's just kind of, you don't notice them. I think they're so tiny that you see them, but you don't actually see them. But once I was taking a bath and there was one in my bathtub and it was like, I was geeking out. I was so excited. It was so cute. And I thought I got to get a lottery ticket. I don't know. Today's a special day. And then in our old house, we had concrete floors and there was a mess up in the concrete floor that looked like a little pseudo scorpion. Every day I would see it and think it was a pseudo scorpion. Like You'd think after eight years, I would know. No, it's not. But I love that little spot. I should have taken a picture of it. I wonder if it was one and like it got smushed. Oh, in it got space. stuck in there? Because it was really <laughs> anatomically correct. But I had a man who contacted me years and years ago and he was collecting different species of pseudoscorpions and he was saying that. Something about the San Antonio area and I guess the oak trees that we have, they're under leaf litter and in soil and not deep in the soil, close to the surface, but there's certain species that we have very commonly here that maybe aren't in other places. And he asked me if I would collect them for him. And I'm like, I don't have a burlazy funnel and you'd have to like collect leaf litter and put a lamp on it. And I didn't have the time or the desire to do anything like that, but we have lots of them in Texas. You just don't see them because they're itty bitty, like less than. I think the biggest they get is five millimeters. Which I was
1: gonna say, their sizes, like I've seen very, very small ones. where the only reason I was able to detect it was because I was going through with a microscope and you know, looking through a soil sample, and mm-hmm. I found them. I the the biggest I've seen them maybe like this. Uh, I'm trying to think of
2: like smaller than a.
1: Like a sequin, almost like a like yeah. a like that's like a around the largest I think I've seen.
0: Like a baby tick, way to,
2: way smaller than an adult tick. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I always tell people when I think of a pseudoscorpion, it's like a mashup of a scorpion and a mite. Yeah, so you have the back half of a mite and the front half of a scorpion, and you smush it together, and you just have these cute little yes pudgy. Yeah. Pudging things with little pinchy claws. They're adorable.
1: It makes it it look strange because it's like the pinchers are the size of the body too, right? Like they're Uh, pretty large. That tail doesn't like even out the size.
0: Yeah, they're abnormal. Don't pseudoscorpions, aren't they phoretic? Am I making that up? Phoreseae is where one travels on the body, like one insect or animal travels on the body of another. So don't they grab a hold of... Other insects with their little pinchy claws and use that as a way to get to a new location?
2: Yes, it says uh, in our textbook, they sometimes cling and are carried about by large insects. I love that. There's 200 species of them in North America. And it says they're very common animals. We just don't see them under bark and stones and leaf litter and moss and then hitchhiking. And they feed primarily on small insects. They have silk glands, so they'll make a cocoon and they'll overwinter inside their little silk cocoon, I guess, in cracks and crevices of trees and under the soil a little bit. You probably have walked over on top of or past a million today and didn't even know it. Maybe not a million, but for the shock factor, a million.
1: Those of you who want to collect insects for any reason, you can go and get like a soil sample. You can put it into a gallon jug upside down. Mm -hmm. You put the litter in with like, the top off, right? So you'll put a light source at the top of that and it kind of heats up all of that sample, all of the insects and arthropods that are in there are going to go down, make their way into, let's say you put, do they usually put like an ethanol cup underneath? And so they fall into it and get preserved immediately and then you can go in. And so that's where we found so many things in our undergrad collection time. I, I was always amazed by those samples. But we also had like a huge system of eight, you know, lights going at one time. So I don't have the space for that now.
0: Or the time to go through all those samples.
1: (laughs) That's that
0: too.
1: too. (laughs) It's
0: fun to do, but when you got a real job,
2: it's hard to find the time. It is. You had a an arachnid that was your rare find. What was that?
1: Yes. I guess it is a rare find, or if you're just outside, I think that you will come across it, at least where I was. And now that I think about it, I've only come across it when I've been out tilling the garden. So I wonder if I've just disturbed their burrows. Okay, enough uh, teasing. Let's get into it. So (laughs) sun spiders or wind scorpions, camel spiders... I think a lot of us have probably seen those like fake videos online where like they're the size of a dog and look <laughs> so terrifying. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, uh, yes, mine- I know exactly what you're talking. <laughs> about. And I think everybody else does too. Like when the Gulf War kind of started. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Gulf War. was it the Gulf War? When is that? one? Yeah. Anyway, when one of the wars started, but it's an optical illusion. There's a soldier who's holding it right in front of the camera, and it looks giant, but he's He's holding it out.
0: He's small behind it.
1: Oh, I gotta! I'm. I want to see if I can't find that video. Creepy. It looks like a Pomeranian or something. Like
0: that'll be one that you need to post in the show notes, just so people were like, oh yeah, okay.
1: I think when people come across these, they they're probably gonna be terrified. So it's a a very tan looking arachnid. They've got very bright jaws, from what I've seen, more like the reddish color. Super hairy. But if you look at them close up, they remind me of a Muppet character. I don't know why or like what cartoon it is. But they they have these adorable beady eyes. I've never been bitten by one and I've held them all the time. Really? Do you have you all had experience in collecting them? They've, They've been quite docile is what I'm saying. Very easy to manage. They're not very fast, but.
0: Oh, yeah. I've never been bitten by one, but I love watching their mouth parts because it reminds me of um, what is, is it? Predator. Um, it has like the predator, mouth that opens yeah. up like yeah. really
2: wide. It, they're it's- incredibly fast, though. I can't. They're like almost once they get going, they're hard to catch. That's how they get that name wind scorpion because they run like the wind. They're super fast and they'll go up walls and they have those petty palps that are like uh, which are mouth parts, but they look like really fat. Uh, long, long legs. Like they yeah. have a 10th sp- sp- set of legs. That's what people always ask is I found something with 10 legs because it really resembles legs, but they're, they're really, really quick. And I've, because they're so fast, that scares me. Things that are fast, I assume is going to hurt me. So I I've never tried to pick one up, but I make a fiasco when I try to put it in a jar.
1: And I'm looking at pictures online and really the only ones, it looks like they, they come in a variety of colors, very vibrant uh, reds and darker kind of browns, yellows, orange, and Molly going with that. I think we've all learned in the animal world, when things are colored that way, you really don't mess with them. Yeah. But maybe two, the ones that I've found were just much smaller because I want to say it was probably like an inch or two. These get pretty large.
2: Inch or two is pretty big though.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just think maybe my energy makes them a little nervous and maybe you're a little bit more calm.
1: They're like a horse. Maybe. <laughs> well, maybe it's all their hairs. They can like detect it. I mean, they are covered in very
2: fine hairs. I got too much coming off of me.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Another crazy lady in the bathtub.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you've seen them. I do you see them in Dallas because I think of them as more of a West part of the state, very dry, yeah. arid places. Like we get them sometimes in San Antonio, but like I think of Uvaldi and then past Uvaldi that where they're more common. Lubbock, Midland,
1: and a West. I, I thought they were a Western thing. So sunspiders and vinegaroons, I thought were like a West Big thing type thing. However, the the two times I've collected them was once in Marble Falls and another time like last year in my bathroom in Copper's Cove. So it was still central yeah. Texas. But the I mean, maybe that's just incidental and
2: Maybe they're just not as common, but like if you're from Lubbock, Midland, Uvalde, somewhere we would consider to those be more West area. Texas, they're probably like, those aren't unusual finds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see those every day.
1: And those are the pictures that you look at. They don't seem to be in like a dense forested leaf littery situation. It, I mean, it looks like a very dry, like prairie habitat almost. Or...
0: Any other rare finds? So my last one is sawflies. And the adults are probably more elusive than the immatures. You know, I've been in Texas since, what, 1996? And I've only found one once. And, you know, I'm an entomologist, so I look for bugs on a regular basis. But sawflies are a hymenoptera. They're related to bees, wasps, and ants. But they are going to have a broadly joined thorax and waist area, whereas bees, wasps, and ants are going to have that constriction there. And they get the name sawfly because their ovipositor, which is the egg-laying structure on females, is saw-like. And they actually will use that to lay eggs and whatnot. But the larvae are probably more commonly seen than the adults, but I think people will mistake them for caterpillars because they are going to feed on foliage and they do look very, very similar to caterpillars. Essentially, you have to look at the prolegs, which are the fleshy kind of protuberances on the abdomen of caterpillars. So caterpillars are going to have two to five pair of prolegs on their abdomen and sawflies can have six or more pair of prolegs. And again, this is not something that probably normal humans are going to do, (laughs) but if you want to tell if you have a caterpillar or a sawfly, that would be essentially... A good key characteristic to look for. Softly larvae usually are smooth and don't have a whole lot of hair on their body. And they don't get as large as some of our caterpillar species. The largest softly larvae typically are about one inch, but most of them are much, much smaller than that. So they're super cool. The ones that I have found here in central Texas, there was one species of softly larvae that was like this bright kind of like magenta-y purple color that was absolutely beautiful. And the other one was like a bright yellow and green color that was, again, it was really, really bright. But...
1: Do sawflies kind of have like that maggot-like body with a really hard, very small head capsule? Mm-hmm.
0: It really no. truly okay. looks like No, it, it looks more like a caterpillar. I guess the reason why you would need to know the difference between a sawfly Larvae and a butterfly or moth larvae is depending on what you want to use. Because if you're using a Bacillus thuringiensis kerstocki to control the caterpillars, And they end up being sawflies, it's not going to work because BT Krustaki only works on Lepidoptera. And sawflies are in a completely different order, which would be Hymenoptera. And while they look like caterpillars and they do the same damage, that particular product would not control them. But you could use a Spinosid product, which works on things with chewing mouth parts that eat a lot of foliage. And that would work on both the caterpillars and the sawfly larvae. So if you're unsure, you might want to go with the Spinosid
1: this is one thing too. So coming across soft flies, they tend to be aggregate, right? You'll find those larvae all kind of together.
0: Yeah. They're a lot of times they're going to be clustered together in sections of the plant. Whereas caterpillars, they're usually kind of, they're on the same plant, but they're kind of spaced out in different areas. Thank you so much for listening to Bugs by the Yard and we will catch you next time.
1: Howdy to our listeners and fellow bug nerds. We wanna take the time to tell you to check out our show notes on each episode and for more information and supplemental materials on the topics covered. Additionally, if you have any questions or recommendations for what you may want to learn more about, you can send us an email to gmail.com. If you enjoy this content and would like to learn more about structural pests that may invade your home, check out our other podcast, Unwanted Guests. Brought to you by Texas A&M University AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. As always, please subscribe or follow the podcast feed to make sure you never miss an episode.